We're breaking down Latinx representation in Hollywood. Get ready to blast off into the world of entertainment with Pop Culture Planet. Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Pop Culture Planet. I'm your host, Kristen Maldonado, and each week we're joined by incredible experts for analytical pop culture discussions. To kick off Hispanic Heritage Month, I have super exciting news that I'll be sharing conversations with Latinas making waves in the entertainment industry, from Yvette Monreal of Stargirl to Julie and the Phantom star Madison Reyes and more, each week starting this Sunday. Here is a quick sneak peek of Yvette Monreal sharing her passion for Queen Salina. It was me against the person who actually got the, the film right now for this Netflix series for Selena. Really? Oh my oh, God. God. What was that like? Like, were you, are you like a Selena fan? Oh yeah, I mean, we grew up on Selena. I mean, I feel like she was one of the first like Latinas that I saw on screen. Like I watched that with my mom and I was super young. It made me feel like that movie itself made me feel like I was able to like accomplish whatever I wanted. Like the family dynamic re reminded me a lot of my own family. Like Selena had a brother and a, and a sister that she was really close with and she grew up with. And she was kind of the baby of the house and that's kind of how I was. And her dad was in a band and my stepdad was in a band. And I just saw a lot of similarities and a lot of myself in that story. It made me feel like, oh man, if she could do it, I could do it. I didn't want to be a singer. I just wanted to be an actress, but it movies like that like inspired me so much. So I am super excited to share that we have a bunch of interviews like that coming this month uh, and throughout Hispanic Heritage Month to Pop Culture Planet. But today I am very thrilled to be joined by the hosts of Latinx Lens, a podcast discussing Latinx representation in film and television through their lens, Rosa Para and Catherine Gonzalez. Hello, ladies. How are you? <laughs> Hello. Um, doing good. Doing good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> good. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you guys on uh, to chat about, you know, Latinx representation. I know that's something that you guys are really passionate about, as am I. Um, so I'd love to know before we get into that um, about your origins in the entertainment space. You know, how did you guys get started and, and where did your love of pop culture come from? Um, Rosa, do you want to start? Sure, why not? <laughs> um, yes, um, I am actually relatively new to to uh, the the industry and film criticism and and the and, uh, film industry in general. I haven't I've been doing this for four years, five years, if that. And it all started with um, Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman was the film that uh, changed my life pretty much in, in a sense that. Um, I would see a lot of critics and a lot of these uh, videos, YouTube videos, and a lot of analysis on the film and why it was such a big deal for, for its time. Um, and then that sparked a little interest in me and I went and watched the movie, was fascinated by it. And I think I was more fascinated by the fact that it was a film with a female lens. That was definitely a big changer for me. And to see the film through a woman's lens was just mind boggling to me. For the first time, I was not seeing a superhero or a female being objectified. Uh, and it was just amazing. They did wonders for me. So just to um, make a long story short, uh, that was the movie that changed my life pretty much. I started doing, um, just quick, short, one, two sentences reviews on, on Instagram. <laughs> and then from there it evolved and now I'm here on your channel. <laughs> awesome, well, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I mean, I'm sure we're gonna get into this also, but, but right. what made you guys uh, create Latinx Lens? Yes, well, because the same reason that I'm relatively <laughs> new at this, um, I decided to uh, build a foundation and get more knowledge in film and film history. So at the moment, I'm working on my degree, a uh, film degree, and I was taking a course, uh, Gender and Race in American um, Film. And then for week four, we were supposed to learn about Latinos, Hispanics, contribution and um, into the film industry. and we had to do readings. We were using a textbook, a 500 page textbook, <laughs> um, and was just disappointed to read a page and a half just on Latinos and everything they've done in history. So it, it was more disappointing to me that probably a few weeks prior to that, I had written a piece on Dolores del Rio, 
um, who was one of the first Mexican actresses in the 1920s and 30s. And I probably wrote more about her than this book had on <laughs> our whole community, wow. um, just in film history. And so, so from there, I was just disappointed and I just tweeted out if anybody would be interested in listening or, or, or anybody would be interesting about Latinos and, and Hispanics and our contributions to uh, the industry. And I was very lucky to have Kat be one of the first to reply and say, you know what, if you're doing this, I'd love to contribute. And it's perhaps the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> oh, that's yes. awesome. Wow. Yeah. Now, what about you, Kat? How did you get started? Yeah, I um, had two older brothers growing up. So I uh, we used to watch a lot of movies and a lot of those movies were the 80s, 90s action flicks. Um, so I always loved the explosions, all that stuff. Um, and I kind of uh, started loving film then just because um, we didn't really go a lot of lot different places. I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley, which is a region in South Texas in a small town called Mercedes. And so there wasn't a lot to do. And um, we didn't really go to the movies until I was um, like in, in high school. So a lot wow. of what I saw, yeah, a lot of what I saw was when I was growing up with my brothers. Um, and then the first movie that really changed, like why I wanted to get into film was Lord of the Rings. Um, I became obsessed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I saw all the behind the scenes features. I was like, oh my God, I want to be like a prop maker. Or I want to be a makeup artist or whatever. Um, and so it just went from there and I was um, kind of known as like the movie geek in high school. Um, and then um, I thought I would, I, I just, but back then, like um, I went to college like 13 years ago. So um, it wasn't as easy as it is now to do like these lives or talk about movies um, or get into um, the film industry, especially like, um, I don't know, I just didn't know how to go about it. Um, and so I actually went down like another path first. Um, but then I switched majors in college to radio TV film just because I took a class just like, oh, let me see how it is. And I loved it. And it felt like um, that feeling I had watching movies when I was little. So um, I knew I was in the right space. Um, but I I thought I would be more on the behind the scenes, but I found that I actually really loved talking about movies, um, love analyzing it from the other side. Um, while I do love being on set and, and that sort of thing, um, I leave that to people who know more than, that, more than I do and I um, appreciate it. Um, but I love talking about it. And then um, just, uh, it's been about five years now where I um, run my own site called shuffleonline.net uh, and you know talk about movies, TV um, and all that stuff just because it's such a big part of my life. And, and then I'm so lucky that um, Rosa chose me um, to go on the Latinx <laughs> lens journey because um, I, I have been really wanting to kind of dive into, um, I'm Mexican American and so um, diving into the Mexican side of, you know, my roots. Um, and I found like, it just came at the right time where I was also in that journey <laughs> of discovery and wanting to kind of talk about it and learn. Um, and so it just felt like it was the right time. And um, I'm, it's been so much fun, um, you know, as we were, we're releasing our 10th episode, um, I think tomorrow. So it's been a fun journey. Awesome. Ever since. Very cool. And if you're interested in checking out Latinx Lens, you can check out the description box where there will be a link to it. Make sure you go check out that 10th episode. What a milestone. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I'm curious, what are, what are your guys' relationships like with your Latinx heritage? I'm a first generation Chicana. So my my parents are, my mother was undocumented. She came, um, she immigrated uh, when she was probably 20s, mid 20s. And so, yes, the, the Mexican culture is predominantly the present in my upbringing. Um, my first language is Spanish. I wasn't allowed to speak English at home. Uh, but thanks to that, I'm, I'm able to um, talk it and, and listen to it and understand it um, fluently. Well, I think it's fluent, not, not too fluent. But um, no, to me, it's been very, very, uh, very present. So I, I did have, I, I, I still, struggle uh, with, with that. It's just that identity crisis of, of being raised in a bicultural environment where you're just constantly questioning yourself, questioning your identity. If you go to Mexico, I've gone to Mexico several times and my family never see me as a Mexican. And every time I'm here, I'm never an American. So it, it's just that, that, that 
I, I've had a lot of issues with that, but eventually as I'm learning, uh, working on, <laughs> I said I was working <laughs> on my film degree, but I'm actually working on two other degrees other than that too. And one of them is Chicana and Chicano studies. And the more I read and the more I'm learning, I'm becoming more comfortable with um, who I am. And I'm, I'm comfortable saying that I am a Chicana and um, yeah, so for me, the culture has been there. Uh, I did grow up watching a lot of Mexican television so, uh, shows, uh, las novelas, soap opera, everything has been there. And yeah, it's been, it's been tough. It's been tough because I, I tend to embody the stereotypical Chicano. I'm born and raised in East LA and that's what we've seen a lot in, in film and, and television. So yeah. Um, I, I, it's been it's been dominant in, in my upbringing, and um, very proud of it. And very, I'm um, try to pass down whatever I can to to my kids, and everything I'm doing now, I with um, Latinx Lens, and also with in their own league, which is mainly focused in female representation. And of course, I don't have four daughters, so that makes it more um, powerful to me. It's yeah. just important for me to not only let them know that. Um, to voice uh, better representation of both women and women of color, uh, but to also let them know that they should be able to dream and um, they shouldn't be limited or anybody should be able to determine what skills they're capable of having just based on their gender and their cultural background. Wow, you are inspiring me, Rosa. <laughs> How do I follow that up? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel that what you're saying about that kind of, um, or just feeling that weird balance of like yeah. being Hispanic and American. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that more, but um, but yeah. Kat, do you wanna share a little bit about your, your background? Yeah, so um, growing up in the Rio Grande Valley, um, I, like all my school, um, we had like a small school and uh, basically all, all Latinos of all different, I think backgrounds, like in terms of um, mo probably mostly Mexican American and also um, now that I think about it, probably some immigrants as well. Um, and I, but I was, I think I've tried to do my, my family tree, um, but I think I'm like fourth or fifth generation Texan probably. Um, and I think we probably much fit into that saying, you know, that we didn't cross the border, the border crossed us, um, you know, maybe my great, great, great grandparents or something. Um, and I know like a few family members here and there, like maybe a few uh, great grandparents um, were from Mexico and, and you know, um, and then mixed with, you know, my other grandparents who were born in Texas. Um, and so it's very just, bit, I call it Tex-Mex just because <laughs> it's like the fusion of um, like, the Mexican culture that's been kind of, you know, diffused in the t very Texan way and American way. And then, um, you know, mix in Spanglish, uh, which is uh, what my uh, my parents speak. <laughs> um, and so they, we didn't, I think their first language was, uh, they would speak Spanish uh, with their parents. But um, for some reason, like I, we didn't really speak Spanish at home. It was more of that, the fusion Spanglish. Um, and it's really hard to kind of describe um, like when I talk to my parents now, I hear it so much, like I hear it so much more since I've been away from them um, for longer. So I hear the like Chicano accent and I hear that, um, you know, kind of the way I probably spoke 12 years ago before I moved to Austin. Um, and so I just find it, um, I don't know, I just, it, it is now that I'm I'm here and I'm outside of that environment, it, it definitely feels I, I feel the pull of two different cultures and, and feeling also sometimes like, um, not Latino enough because I don't speak Spanish or, um, you know, I don't embody some of the stereotypes, you know, and, and then it makes me feel like, well, maybe, you know, I, I don't fit in, maybe I'm more American, but it, it's not true. It's like, we, we, we are, you know, from, we're just different <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. good. Um, and so I think um, doing the Latinx journey has really kind of made me um, figure out that like, I, I guess identity crisis in some ways that I think a lot of people that are of two um, different cultures have, or even more than two cultures now that, you know, there's a lot more um, um, diversity. So I don't know, it, it's hard sometimes to kind of figure out, like, if, if you go more towards one, you feel like you're you're going away from the other side. Um, and it's, I think it's more about, for me, just finding a balance and embracing both, and that's okay. Yeah, I think you make so many great points. Um, my background, uh, my family is Puerto Rican and Dominican, um, but, you know, my parents, 
are from New York. Uh, their parents, so my grandparents are from Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic. But um, like, you know, I my parents didn't really speak Spanish growing up with us um, at all. Like we, you know, have certain words that we would use, you know, for mm -hmm. foods and things like that. But like, yeah. and, and I, I found out only relatively recently that my dad's first language when he was young was Spanish, but now he's not as strong in it. Um, but it's so interesting uh, to see that like, you know, sometimes, you know, we pass down certain things and sometimes we don't. And I don't know, like, you know, maybe they, you know, wanted to make sure that we wouldn't have any troubles, you know, uh, you know, communicating with people uh, here, like, you know, but um, so my parents didn't really teach us Spanish, which I feel like is, you know, one of the biggest regrets of my life is that we didn't get yeah. to learn that because, you know, we learned it in high school and that's not, you're old at that. It wasn't point. the same. Yeah. Yeah. My Spanish teacher uh, told us, like, oh, we don't need to teach you because you guys already know Spanish because we're yeah. all like, I'm like, uh, no. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't I grew, know it. Yeah. And I grew up in a really um, non diverse neighborhood. Yeah. I remember taking, uh, going to sign up for a language class for school and I wanted to take French and they were like, you should just take Spanish because it'll be easy for you. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess. The beginning stuff isn't hard, but as you get, you know, as you keep going, it yeah. gets harder. And yeah. I would say my Spanish is not the strongest, but um, you know, yeah. then I think you kind of, like you guys mentioned, kind of fall into that category of like, not feeling Spanish enough, not feeling, you know, uh, you know, American enough, not, you know, feeling like, in this weird middle place. And I think, honestly, I think that's how a lot of Hispanic people feel. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's it's um, it's really interesting uh, that we all kind of feel the same way and we all have our own different backgrounds and, you know, some of us can speak the language, some of us can't and, you know, but we all still feel the same exact way. I just think like, as you guys said, it's, it's just like embracing who you are and, you know, learning more. And, you know, I, I'm so glad to have you guys on here so we can <laughs> talk even more about, um, Hispanic representation and Latinx representation. I'm curious, uh, do you guys have like uh, a memory of like the first time you saw a Latinx character on screen or, or even just one that you related to and how that kind of made you feel? I don't know if you want to start, Rosa. Um, yes. Well, mm -hmm. I think the first time I've ever seen myself represented uh, in film was, yeah, in Stand and Deliver. <laughs> because, well, of course, film takes place in East LA and it's a movie that, of course, Garfield High School, I had to attend Garfield High School. So every, we were, it, it's part of a, our, of our upbringing. We, it's just one of the very few films that represents us um, positively, sort of say. And yeah, to, to, so at a young age, um, I watched Down and Deliver and the character of Anna, who, who's the little, uh, <laughs> with glasses, a little dork, a little, <laughs> and she's just perhaps the, one of the smartest girls in, in the class. Uh, I was able to identify with her a lot. Um, and just that movie itself in general, it's very, it, very influential for me um, in, every sense, in every sense, since I was young. Um, and then even at my later years, even going to college and taking calculus, <laughs> I would mm -hmm. watch Dan and Deliver at least two to three times a week um, mm -hmm. while taking uh, calculus, just so it can just get motivated. And it helps. I mean, it worked for me, so. Um, but I think for me, it would be, yeah, Stand and Deliver. It's just, an, I believe it's one of the very few films that accurately represents um, the East LA community in general. Wow. Yeah. I have to check out that movie. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you, Kat? Yeah, um, sort of going off the same from the little intro that you played, um, it was Selena, um, because um, it, it, it's kind of sad, though, though, because that's probably like, the most representative of, of like, um, like a Texas Mexican American experience um, that I ever saw. So I guess I got spoiled when I was little. Um, but um, yeah, I just remember they they mentioned like she grew up in Corpus Christi, which is two hours like away from where I'm from. And like they go to Brownsville, which is in the Rio Grande Valley. And like they, you know, all these sort of like things that were just so familiar um, and like San Antonio and all that. And um, and then just talk like uh, also Edward James Omos, who like reminds me of my dad and like had the same glasses that he did. <laughs> um, so it always just felt so um, like homey. And also, although it is, a tragic story with, um, you know, Selena, who was murdered um, 
But every time I see that movie, I, except for the end, um, it always just makes me so happy because it's just like showing a little bit of, um, I, I, I actually, yesterday I was listening to the Hano music um, because my dad used to play it um, like, you know, outside, like when I was growing up and just drink some beers outside with blasting the Hano music. And um, and that was what Selena played and she made it in, you know, like the male dominated industry um, and made it to the mainstream. Um, and yeah, I think it just, it, it really highlights just like a little specific part of like how I grew up. And I just remember thinking like, wow, this is a, this is really, uh, I, I guess I didn't really understand it when I was little, like how it was representing me. But now that I look back, I'm like, wow, like, um, it, it was really pivotal, I think, in like seeing myself on screen. Wow, yeah, I mean, whoo, Selena, mm -hmm. such a powerful movie, such a good movie. And you know, I think yeah. what's really interesting in that movie is, is they also mentioned kind of what we said about like being Latino enough, being American yep. enough, and like, man, I rewatched it recently and I was like, wow, this holds up. Yeah. yeah. That's the that's the best, like me and Rosa talk about it all the time. We're like, that's like the best line ever. Um, it, uh, detailing the way, um, at least I feel, you know, and I'm sure a lot of people feel. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's really, it's a, like it was an okay film, but it's like really good in terms of like what it's talking about, about the Mexican American, you know, experience, at least one part of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, for me, one of the shows that I really loved um, was Ugly Betty. And mm. I felt, you know, America Ferrara, I just love her because she's such, She's just such a dynamic and like positive force, I feel like. Um, and I really loved following that story because even though I didn't necessarily relate to everything that she was going through, there were certain things of like having a strong family or, you know, not being the best at, you know, Spanish or, you know, kind of being a little bit awkward sometimes or, you know, trying to find your place in this world sort of message that I really related to. And, and she's a character that I just, um, you know, I just... I love that show so much. I think I've watched it like four times and I don't like do that. I don't like to watch shows like multiple times like that. But um, there's just something about it, the way that they like make everybody in that show feel like a family. Even when there's like, you know, the drama, it just, it still feels like fun and like everybody just like has this great connection. And um, I really loved seeing uh, that world kind of come to life. And I, I just think it's so inspiring um, and so, such a universal story. So um, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I used to love watching that. I, I watched the earlier seasons, but not so I didn't finish it. What I also really liked about the story was that, I, um, you know, she slowly kind of comes out of her shell. It's not like she's like, oh, here's our makeover. I'm a supermodel now. It's like, no, she like, you know, slowly loses her braces. Oh, she gets a different haircut or, you know, she gets nicer glasses. Like they don't change, you know, like fundamentally who she is. It's just kind of like, you know, as she grows, things slowly start to evolve which I thought yeah. was a nice story because it's not just like, oh, you have to change. It's like, no, we're just growing up, you know, we're becoming more who we are, which I think is a nice, a nice message um, versus makeover story, you know? Yeah, yeah. not a Princess Diaries story, <laughs> makeover. Yeah, oh my God, that makeover, iconic. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen the show, so, um, but it was actually funny now that I'm thinking, I'm, I'm listening to you guys talk about it. It's funny because I did watch the Colombian original novella mm -hmm. and then I watched the Mexican version of it. And then I thought to myself, well, this is just the American version of it. Just leave it aside. There's really no need to, to see it. But now that I'm listening to you guys uh, talk about it, mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I, I might get interested in it just because it, it was talking to a different demographic at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was one of my favorite novelas <laughs> back in the day. But I, I have a, a, a more of a, I like the Colombian version, the, the original version a little bit more than the Mexican one. Um, but yeah, interesting. Okay, now I might get. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's such it's so cool how universal the story it is. Like, there's like yeah. so many remakes of that show in so many different countries, and then they even I think a year or two ago remade it for Telemundo with Betty in New York. Um, which was fun too, to just see like another take kind of on the story. Um, I don't know, there's just something about that character that I really love, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, I'd love to get into, um, you know, what we think are maybe some positive um, and negative portrayals of like Hispanic people in Hollywood. Um, you know, I think that, uh, 
we're slowly making strides, um, especially recently in seeing characters like um, uh, Ashley Garcia and um, characters in One Day at a Time. Um, but I'm sure that there's, you know, a lot more that we can continue to do. Um, so I wonder. I was wondering if you guys had any thoughts any thoughts on that? I really love um, Diego from Umbrella Academy. Yes! Um, and and <laughs> I mean, that whole that whole show though is like really good with doing a lot of different types of representation in a way that doesn't feel forced, um, which I think for me is the way I want it. You know, like I don't want it to have to, well, you can kind of tell when they're hitting these story points um, in other uh, types of content and you're like, oh, you just put that in to think like I would relate to it or something and it's not natural. Um, and with Diego's character, um, you know, it's never really mentioned that he, you know, any anything about his background. Obviously the name Diego sparks up, you know, some of the the, the Latino con like uh, connotations or whatever and you can kind of just make an inference that he came from, you know, that background. But in terms of like the way he's accepted with his other siblings, like it's never really, um, brought up and it, he is just a really cool complex character who's going through his own sort of you know um issues with his dad and like feeling abandoned and having to you know do all these sort of things to um feel accepted um and so i don't know for me that that is like the representation that i hope continues just where you know yes it's it, it can be where it can be mentioned like the background and all that which there is plenty of um that 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 do that but I, I don't know. I just love Diego's uh, story because it's he, his his main focus is not that he is Latino. It's just that he is his, he has a, a other side other side to him. He has these complexities, and he just happens to be you know Latino. So that's what I love about that character. Um, in recent like a, as a recent example. Yeah, that's a great point. I love Diego, um, mm -hmm. and the, I think a great example of being um, there was something that uh, Gabriel Iglesias. Uh, the comedian always said, he's one of my favorite comedians, but something about like, <laughs> I'm not a Latino comedian. I'm a comedian who happens to be Latino. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's like a, there is a differentiator there. So you're like accepting your culture and everything, but you're not mm -hmm. feeling like limited. Like I can only be in this one box. Um, yeah. Yeah, what I found funny about that too is um, in the second season, sorry guys, spoilers. Um, but um, <laughs> they're, they're back in Texas and Dallas um, and it's actually Klaus's character who um, is like, I want tacos and he want, and he mentions like menudo and I'm like, oh, menudo. And it would have been really bad, obviously, if they would have had Diego saying those things, you know? And the fact that, you know, it was Klaus, another character who's just embracing being in Texas and um, taking in the really good food because we do have really good tacos and, um, you know, menudo. So I found that that was really cool and like the different sort of like representation and how they didn't stoop to probably, um, you know, if it had been 10 years ago, they would have probably had Diego saying those lines, you know, <laughs> saying yeah. that he wants tacos and, and all that sort of thing. So um, I found that really um, like a very um, like step forward, I guess, in like the sort of representation that I want to see in terms of like Latinx um, on in TV and in film. Great points, great points. Uh, let me bring up really quick this comment from uh, Geekly Goods. Hey, Leo, thanks so much for joining us. He <laughs> says, uh, yeah, Umbrella Academy is so good in representation of people of color and LGBTQ mm -hmm. communities. And Allison's story this season hit home several times. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and also comment from James, Sup James says, never thought about that. That's so cool um, in terms of what you were saying about Diego. So awesome. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> What about you, Rosa? Yeah, um, for me, the the more I've had, uh, the more I've been able to talk, especially with Kat about stereotypes and um, everything we've been seeing in film and just discussing it and analyzing, um, I've come to realize that I don't have a big of an issue with people portraying stereotypical, what would be considered stereotypical roles. And I think this came when we were talking about the documentary <laughs> of Danny Trejo, um, especially when they're asking him if he doesn't mind being typecast as the inmate or as the bad guy. And he's like, no, why? That's who I am. I was an inmate. And it's gotten me to think like, true if, if you go to prisons yeah there is a lot of minority groups in there and it, it to me what what's um bothering me more it's not having enough representation of what the latinx umbrella term tends to embody so 
here I'm going to bring up Dora, <laughs> um, the recent uh, film of uh, the live action Dora film. I want more representation of indigenous cultures in um, film. What they did with the Inca, uh, with the Inca representation in this movie, and I know it's a it's a kids film, and I know it's aimed towards kids, but how they portrayed them and 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 just giving these little nuggets of, of what that civilization actually um, did, and how smart they were, and how. Um, just all these amazing facts about, about the civilization that we don't tend to learn about in school. Uh, we either need to get a higher education to learn about them or either have, uh, I don't know, a family member or somebody else uh, spark that interest in us. So movies like Dora that depict several different um, groups of, of Latinos in there, because even Dora herself, she she's Latina and having Michael Peña and Eva Longoria um, as her parents was also a, a treat. But just depicting different little groups and, and demographics within the Latinx community, um, it's something that I'm currently advocating for, because even though whatever little representation we do have, the stereotypical Chicana from East LA, brown when we all come in different shades, different sizes, different areas with different cultures and traditions and even dialects and languages. Not all of us speak um, Spanish or an indigenous dialect either. So yeah, just uh, uh, that's, I think that's where I'm going more towards, uh, not being bothered as much for the stereotypical uh, representation, but advocating for a wider range of it. Absolutely. And I got to say, I loved Dora. I thought it was a great movie. That was like one of my top movies of, of 2019, honestly. Like, I thought it was really fun. I thought they did a really great job with it. But yeah, totally agree. Like, seeing a wider range of people, you know, whether it's, like you mentioned, size, you know, skin color, you know, other ethnicities, like within the, the Hispanic umbrella, like, I think that that's super important as well to just be able to see different types because like everyone then um has these ideas that like you know you can only be latina if you look a certain way or if mm -hmm. you speak a certain mm -hmm. language and like that's it and i think that those stereotypes do kind of bleed into probably why we sometimes even feel yeah. like we're not latina enough what people watch is you know really affects our community and our society and if you only see a certain type of hispanic person that's what you think they are and then you think that's all that exists when there's so much more out there. I did want to bring up one thing that both me and Russell also found interesting um, during this like stereotype exploration um, with the tax collector. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and um, so the movie itself is like not well written and whatever, but not for the reasons like that people were saying. Um, it, it was more so like we found um, like we were already going in to the movie, um, like after watching the trailer with our own biases towards, um, you know, a Latino gang, um, another one, you know, being portrayed. And um, it, it made us think like, why is that? You know, um, because this is essentially like, you know, part of our community, whatever. Um, and it is based, you know, in some truths, I guess. But um, we realized that it's because of the way it's been portrayed all throughout like, you know, cinema. It's like the same kind of thing. Yet there's also um, sort of like, you know, the Irishman and the mobster <laughs> movies and all that sort of stuff that people consider, oh, that's a really cool movie that's badass, but it doesn't come with any of the other like uh, connotations of like, oh, you know, Latino gang movie, like that's, you know, whatever, you know, like it, it doesn't come with the same acclaim in some ways. Mm -hmm. um, and I love those mobster movies. I love all those kind of other ones in terms of like cinema and the characters and the stories that come through that. Um, and if you look at like the sideways um, of them, like the fact that they're both about families most of the time, they're mm -hmm. in this like criminal kind of organization. Sometimes people want to get out, sometimes they don't, whatever. There's crime. Um, and then there's also like, you know, um, just like honor, you know, revenge, like they're essentially kind of the same thing, but they're in different cultures. Um, and one is looked, yeah, and one is looked down upon in some ways, even by us, you know, like we, yeah. we were going in with, with those biases. And um, so that we found that super interesting just when we were talking about it, because we were ourselves already thinking this movie, like, oh, another one. And, and instead of it being where it could be like an Irishman uh, portrayal, you know, like if someone does it, comes along, please do it because the text collector was not it. But um, you know, it could be it could be something that could be you know a, 
the, that sort of movie is a genre in itself, right? So it's not going to go away. The stereotypes will be there, but it just, in terms of like just making it in a different culture, which happens to be like East LA, whatever, is is not um, seen as good in some ways. You know, like the going into to the movie just is what we found. Now, why do you think that is? I wonder. Do you think do you think it has to do with the people telling the stories? Because I, I feel like uh, something that you kind of mentioned made me just think about, I mean, honestly, how many actual Latino people are creating these movies or is it a lot of like the same kind of white guys that we see in Hollywood making these films and kind of using these stereotypes and things that uh, they just kind of, you know, assume our cultures are like because that's a great point that you mentioned about these films are kind of the same it's just a different group of people i mean i think it's a it's a combination of both in in the tax collectors um thing it was written by david ayer who is um white but he um grew up in a in in la like i think part of his life he grew up and he really loves the chicano culture so actually like we found that it actually had some good nuggets of of the culture that hasn't been portrayed um, in other films. And so to to us like that, or, you know, for me at least, <laughs> um, it wasn't, I, I wasn't um, upset about that. And I think he actually um, made that character who, who's the main character in, in that film, um, like uh, the, like a, we usually see like a, a machismo kind of, uh, you know, Latino guy and he was not that, you know, um, I think his name is, the character was David, I don't know. Um, but like he, he was kind of showcasing a different side, you know, in, in that sense. So I think he, and he made the women in, in that movie like really badass. They were the villains. <laughs> they were the, uh, one of them was the head of security for the for the other gangster guy, you know? So in other movies that never happens. Um, yeah, so, or, or rarely happens. So to me, it actually had some good um, kind of strides in it, but the script was not the best. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, I, I do think in the other cases it is, um, kind of used as a trope, you know, like it is like, it is always the same thing. Like, I think I remember seeing Logan and which I love that movie, but it was like, they went to El Paso and of course they run into like the game, you know? And then like in another movie, it's always like, if it's criminal it, it in, in the U S it most happens to be like a Latino gang. And it's like, okay, um, let's just like do something else or um, maybe have it come from a different lens or just tell a different story. Cause it's always just the same thing over and over again. And like Rosa said, I'm not opposed to stereotype, uh, like, you know, representation or whatever. I think um, stereotypes are based in truth, right? But in terms of film and TV, if you're doing the same thing over and over again, it's just, a, it, it, the audience itself is gonna be tired of like, you, the fact that you are not created enough to, to do something else or come from a different perspective, which is where I think the different sort of lenses come in if someone else is telling the story. Yeah, I think you just hit it right there, Kat. Uh, what previous films whenever you have a gang or we have the villain for the most part they're mexican or the mexican americans or the east la gangs if you can name me a film where you have an irish gang or you have a mobster as the villain that's not about the mobster villain itself then probably we may be talking about a different scenario but other than that i think yeah we were both mind blown when we were we suddenly realized it because <laughs> I had just watched Goodfellas and I texted a uh, cat that I wasn't particularly fond of it because of the way it was treating women. Um, so then she says, well, it's part of the mob culture and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, I see. I see what you mean. And then I just texted her saying, well, it's kind of the similar culture with Latino. We tend to be machismo, but for us, it's always thrown to our face. It's always thrown to us that where our reviews of our films, they always say it's misogynistic and it's uh, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. But for other films that are Scorsese directed, it's cool, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Although I have noticed a trend lately that, that a lot of people are coming up with um, uh, how female representation is being in, in those films. But other than that, I think a lot has to do with how uh, our culture has been represented for all these years. Yeah, yeah. And I think we are starting to see some some changes. Um, you know, I think especially there's been a, a kind of a rise in like the um, the smart Afro Latina. I feel like we've been seeing a lot of uh, 
of that kind of like new, I mean, I guess it's sort of in a way a new trope that has kind of come into, into play with shows like um, On My Block and uh, Diary of a Future President and mm-hmm. Ashley uh, Garcia. What do you think about the, the, these like kind of new, new tropes, I guess, that are starting to come up? I think that um, some of those, unfortunately for me, I, I tend to be more of like a drama sci-fi type thing. And those are not necessarily hitting like my like first interest, I guess, because they're kind of, you know, um, always like when there is like Latinx representation with a fan around a family, it's always like in a comedic sense. It's always like in that um, sitcom type style, which, you know, I, I grew up watching those, but I think I've just gravitated towards different things now as an adult, um, especially with all the streaming. And so for me, those don't um, hit as much. And I tend to, unfortunately, like um, not watch them as soon as they come out. Um, although I did watch one day at a time when we were doing an episode and I was like, oh, I should have I should have been watching this. Um, so sometimes my own bias is like, I need to get over it and just like, you know, uh, dive in because you never know. Sometimes they're, um, what you think a show is, is not going to be what it is, right? Um, and so, I don't know. I think I think it's definitely now turning into like it, it seems like it's a new format, right? Like, oh, Latina, it's going to be this kind of quirky kind of thing, and and all this um, that sort of thing, which is I think okay. But um, I don't know. I hope they they kind of go off into the different stories as well because it seems like they're trying to hit this one spot that they think people want, um, which I don't even know who <laughs> who wants that. But um, and then it's it's sort of um, that thing where if that's the only representation um, that's on screen, we, like, I feel guilty that I don't watch those, you know, and and it it makes me feel kind of like a bad, um, I guess, supporter in some ways. Um, But it's like, if they're only making it in this one genre type thing, like, I mean, we also need it in other different types of genre um, because it's not fair that we only get this one little lane of what they think, you know, we're wanting or what people want and then like, it, it gets canceled, like they've been, you know, canceling those shows. Um, yeah. So it, it's just so I don't know. It's like a lot of um, a lot of different things. <laughs> there have been a lot of Latino-led shows that have been canceled lately. Do you think that it's because, you know, people are creating stories um, and not really giving people diverse stories that we want to see with these characters? Or do you think people just don't want to see Latino-led stories? A lot of it has to do with the marketing. Um, not a lot of people are aware that all of these these shows are happening in the first place, um, unless someone talks about it and they have a large enough platform to bring awareness to it. Other than that, they're, they're, nobody's going to see them and they're just going to get canceled. And also, I think a lot does have to do with the fact that they aren't diverse enough in the sense that everything takes place in East L.A. Um, and this is coming from someone who's from East L.A. Don't get me wrong. I love, um, I just caught up with Hentified and I love it. I adore it. Um, and it hits home for me as well. So it, it's not a bad thing, but not everybody is from East LA. You know, we're sitting here and I'm only the I'm the only one from East LA. And there's more stories out there to be told. And and I think a lot, also I think the another thing about it is that there's a lot of content out there. <laughs> so much content that a lot of people don't want to get boxed in as well in the sense that you shouldn't um, be automatically asking me what do I think of Hentified and just automatically mm-hmm. assume that I'm watching all these shows just because I'm a Latina, mm-hmm. which is completely fair. Um, I, I understand that that argument. I am, however, a big uh, believer of, of supporting people and in every sense of the word. So if I can watch shows and, and just try to bring awareness to it, then, I, then I'm going to do it. But even I wouldn't be able to watch all the shows that are out there at the moment and, and try to like give my two cents about them. So I think it's a multiple factor, uh, multiple factors contribute to all these cancellations. And it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that a lot of these shows, shows are getting canceled. Um, however, these past few days, I have been seeing all these um, people getting contracts or, or like with HBO and with other networks that are also getting, um, their deals done to bring up uh, more shows so that that's i guess um, that makes me happy so um mm-hmm. yeah i guess it's a it's a lot of factors that contribute to it yeah absolutely um 
it's, it's so interesting to hear you guys' perspectives because I do think that, you know, there are some times where there's shows like the ones I mentioned to you where I'm like, oh, well, you know, we're getting representation. And it's like, yeah, but it is such a small, like, repeated, like, the same types of things over and over and over again. And I didn't even realize, as you said, though, that everything is set in East L.A. I'm, trying, I'm like, wow, yeah, you're right. That's true. Sure. That was in East L.A. You know, like, um, I think even, like, on my block, I'm pretty sure it's in East L.A. Uh, uh, East Los High. You know, like, all these shows. And I'm like, wow, I really like these shows. But yeah, they, and I do think that, like you said, it, it kind of limits the view of what you could be seeing from, you know, all different types of, of Hispanic backgrounds. Yeah. Wow. Now, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's great talking with you guys about this stuff. Because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, we don't need to only watch, you know, Hispanic shows, yeah. but we are supporters. So yeah. I'm, I'm so glad you guys are here with me today to, to chat about this. <laughs> now, you mentioned also that there's a lot of people starting to get deals and stuff. Um, do you guys have any like favorite filmmakers or, or writers or directors that are Hispanic that you just think are like really doing a, a great job or like maybe have recent projects out that like we should be checking these things out? We highlighted Patricia Reagan, who is a Mexican um, uh, director, and she's actually probably one of the only ones that's like really broken into or Latinas who've broken into like the mainstream Hollywood um kind of area and and um so she directed the 33 girl in progress with eva mendez and sierra ramirez um and um also um uh and then she did the under the same moon um that was like kind of a breakthrough um i think in in hollywood but um seeing those movies like we saw all three of them um it just made me like she i, I could see her where it would be awesome if she could get like one of the Marvel movies or one of like, you know, something like that. Cause I, the way she was directing like the 33, which is about the minors, um, some of those shots were so beautiful. And I was just thinking like, she could really, I don't know, that movie for some reason made me think of that. Like, why, why isn't she directing more um, like bigger uh, movies in Hollywood was my, is my question. Just because from what I saw um, with what she, what she was doing just from those three films, um, I could see so much potential and it, and I hope that like she's able to do more. And she also has directed um, episodes of Jack Ryan that's on you know, the recent one on Amazon Prime. And so I was like, oh, yes, it's, see, like my like my thinking was not far off when I was watching like the other movie, um, thinking that she could do like some action movie or whatever. And so <laughs> I hope um, I just encourage people to go seek out her work and hopefully, um, you know, we'll see more from her and um, um, and other female directors also who are, you know, Latinas or all kinds, so. Absolutely. What about you, Rosa? Good question. I guess if we're gonna just probably go back to one of the episodes of Latinx Lens and probably the documentaries that, that we talked about that I just recently brought up about Dani Trejo and then also another documentary, uh, Walter Mercado, Mucho Mucho Amor. Yes, I love those. You inspired those me to watch that one. Oh my god, it was so good. I think I okay. watched it like midnight, and I was like, I couldn't stop. I was oh, like, wow, yes. <laughs> awesome. Um, yes, those two documentaries are certainly um, amazing, and and I think I, I remember saying this in the podcast. These are the type of films we need. Um, we need more films about uh, actors and personalities that inspire us in, 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 in every sense. You have Danny Trejo, who's um, had a rough, rough road, but he's still here. And just to hear his story and everything he went through and what he's doing now is just fascinating. Um, Walter Mercado, oh my God, I grew up watching him and just seeing his story because I didn't know what had happened to him. Um, I just remember growing up, seeing him in television and that was it. I didn't know what else had happened. so what the documentary was in, very informative as well. And yes, definitely two documentaries I highly recommend seeing. And yeah, watch out for um, Cristina Constantini, who's one of the directors of, of, of Mucho Mucho Amor. I'm pretty sure she's gonna go places. She's really, really good. And um, yeah, I think one day at a time also, hopefully they get enough enough ratings to stay there because it's, it's one of those shows that 
to me, I, I really, really very much enjoyed it. And just the way they depict the family and different. And of course, they have Rita Moreno, who does not love Rita Moreno, um, <laughs> who's just an icon. She's just queen. Yes. <laughs> so yes, yes, I guess those those two documentaries and one day at a time. I feel like we've, we've been seeing this surge of like um, diversity, whether it be in the Asian culture, mm-hmm. um, you know, black culture, we're, we're just seeing like a lot more films, uh, you know, surrounding these cultures. And um, I'm curious, do you think that we're going to have that moment for Latinos? I mean, I hope so. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't, it feels like we haven't had that like really breakthrough yeah. moment. In, like in, uh, well, I guess the close, the close one was, uh, was it Gabriel Luna um, as, um, what is it, the Ghost Rider? In, in Marvel, but then like he, they cut that one, they cut the series or something. Um, but like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I hope now that there's more, I think there, there's definitely emerging filmmakers. Um, maybe, you know, we're like one movie or one TV show away from kind of having those moments. Um, and those, the, the folks that Rosa was mentioning that just got, you know, greenlit for their series. Um, hopefully that's like the start of, you know, the next kind of, um, content we're seeing um, in Latinx representation. Um, but it's kind of really hard to say, especially since so many of them are getting canceled. It's like, oh, you gotta, you're gonna get a series, but then is it gonna continue on? <laughs> um, so, um, but I remain hopeful. I think there's a lot of good strides. Um, and I would say in what we can do, I mean, even for me, like this is a new journey. I didn't, I didn't um, necessarily seek out, you know, Films about like about Mexican Americans, you know. I was just I, I I I was just I gravitate towards what I gravitate towards, and like you said, I just happen to be you know Mexican American. I don't have to go and watch all those movies, but I feel like it is important now that you know we've done ten episodes, um, where we I've seen a lot of movies that I hadn't even seen before that are, you know, older than me and in the same um, decades as like other movies that are, I've seen that are just more Hollywood. Um, and they have been just as good. And it makes me sad that they weren't in my kind of, um, I guess uh, they didn't come my way when I was growing up. And I think that's because they just weren't being highlighted um, by what people thought was important. So um, that's what makes me feel like maybe doing what we're doing is is good, just kind of seeking out. Um, it, it was surprising to know that there is actually a lot of films that have been made, um, you know, in, in uh, with Latinx representation, and it's not—it just hasn't started uh, recently. There is like we've been watching. We do a Latinx recommends on our film, mm-hmm. which is like from films from like 1950s and surprise and, and earlier, like 1930s through 60s, whatever. Um, and there have been so many. Um, you know, there's like representations, um, whether they're stereotyped or not, is like you know what we <laughs> examine. But um, we we have been there, you know. And I think um, for me, it was important. It, it's. It's been important um, just as a viewer um, who was asking for representation to know what actually has come before, because it seems like there's not a lot, but maybe we just also haven't, you need to seek it out too, which is what I'm learning. Absolutely. What about you, Rosa? Uh, um, Just like, I think it's really hard to say. Uh, It looks like we might be uh, with everything that's going on and and diversity, inclusion, and and everything that's been um, happening lately. But I don't know. Uh, It's hard to say either yes or no. Um, The way we can help, uh, me personally, I, again, I I try to support as many voices, as underrepresented voices as possible. Um, Try to attend... uh, film festivals, either Latino film festivals from LA or Chicago or other different cities and try to highlight those films as well. Um, and yeah, I guess to me, it's just about support and no, it doesn't matter how big your following is. And if you support someone else, I'm where I am right now because I had support from other people. Other people were uh, generous enough to lend me their platform and give my opinions and and so on and so forth, and that's why I'm here. So I think support it's the big big thing. <laughs> Just going off of that, um, why do you think representation, especially in the Latinx community, is so important? It's important because film and television, although we as grownups know that it's not real, it's fiction, and we shouldn't take it as literal literally. 
Uh, a five-year-old will not understand that. A seven-year-old will not understand that. I, my seven-year-old often asks me, oh, is that real? Oh, did she die? Or, oh, did she do this? They don't understand that. So at that age, the brain is still developing. And yes, these films, these television shows do influence our biases. They do influence how we view the world. They influence how we view certain people. So Every time I tell somebody I'm a Chicana, the first thing that comes out of their mouth is, oh, are you a gangster? Are you a trolla? Or they just start talking to me with the with the gangster slang because that's all they've seen on film. Um, so yes, it's important because little kids, little girls, well, in my case, little brown girls should be able to see themselves on film and not grow up with the idea that their family or people they know or people from our background are only bad people um, because not all of us are. Uh, granted, yes, there are bad people. I'm not saying there isn't. Uh, but if that's the only thing that's being depicted, then that's how they're going to grow up um, thinking of. And of course, it's going to affect their self-esteem. It's going to affect their confidence. And at the end of the day, they're not going to think they're going to be able to achieve whatever goals they have in mind. Great point. Great point. Yeah. What about you, Kat? Yeah, I, um, I've been thinking about this a lot. So um, it's still in progress, too, because um, I'm thinking like, you know, we have a podcast on Latinx representation. I'm like, but why is it so important? Because, um, you know, I hadn't I wouldn't really think about it before because I was just like, well, I am who I am. And everything that I do is sort of represent, you know, like every accomplishment, everything is kind of making strides. Why do I have to like explicitly talk about it? Why do I have to see somebody on screen um, to feel, you know, like that ambition or whatever? But what I've come to realize is that um, I, you know, like like I was talking about, like all the action movies I used to see growing up or any of the other movies, like I never would look at the, you know, those guys or whatever and think like, I can't do that. I was like, I'm going to be, you know, the, the hero or whatever. And um, the thing is, though, that we're always having to make those like leaps. Right. And how cool would it be to have like just varying sorts of heroes um, that everyone could think as, you know, like, that it could be just accepted as universal. Um, that would be, like, the ultimate goal, I think. Um, because, like Rosa said, I used to believe that movies were real. <laughs> so, um, I, and it, it always uh, struck me, too, since I grew up mostly with, um, you know, uh, uh, surrounded by people who were like me, I would see um, in my own life, you know, doctors who were like me, you know, um, teachers, everything. But then I was like, why do I have like sometimes feeling other or whatever? And it was like, oh, it's because the movies and TV I was watching didn't like, didn't reflect my real life. And not that it has to be exactly the same way, um, but just having some of that, I think can also just, um, you know, help um, also, like in terms of like for me, like seeing other cultures, seeing other, um, you know, um, things like it just helps everybody become more empathetic towards each other's um, stories. And regardless of like color or whatever, just, you know, different situations and all that. I think it does help because we we tend to watch a lot of movies on TV and that's how we kind of like like it's like kind of a mirror of, you know, the human kind of emotion stuff. So I think it just it would help see it reflect a little bit better. Um, you know, what actually society is. So maybe it can help people understand, you know, they, um, I, don't, I don't know. I think I think that's, it, it's sort of like in progress answer. So it's a little messy, but I'm, I'm really still also trying to figure out like, why is this important to me? And why is it important um, in general? But that's sort of like the, the, the main thing that I've gotten is just more towards like a universal acceptance of not having it to be so, so, notable like oh this is the first latino whatever it's just like oh that's just another um, marvel superhero cool um you know and focusing on the story instead of like what it, what he what he or she looks like is i think should be the goal absolutely yeah i think what you said was really fascinating about how you were seeing shows and movies that didn't reflect your kind of society around you like the people around you seeing you know um doctors and teachers and you know people that were like you in your life um because i feel like sometimes i'm not sure exactly how to word this but i feel mm -hmm. like there's people that feel like um the worlds that we're seeing in film where it is only you know white people mm -hmm. is the authentic experience and that you know for for you for for a lot a lot of us but especially as what you just said like that wasn't your experience your experience is seeing mm -hmm. 
you know, people of your similar background. Um, and so I just, I just find it interesting that a lot of times we're kind of separated into like, sort of like white and everyone else when really like there's so many people in the world why are we separated like that that you have to be watching something and feel like oh why do i feel like weird about this when like i just think there's some people that don't realize that like the world is bigger than you know than than just mm -hmm. one type of person and so when people are talking about like kind of like forced diversity or like, um, you know, why why does everything need to be diverse? It's like because the world is diverse. Like, you only want one type of person in the world to be seen ever, and <laughs> you know that I, yeah. I just don't I comprehend that. I don't know why. Like, I just don't get it. Um, when like there's so many different types of people in the world, and and I I agree with you guys that like pop culture and like film and television you know, while there's fictional stories that we watch, um, you know, even crazy sci-fi stories, there are like roots of like being grounded in reality. Um, and that's what makes a story able to like connect with people because of like that authenticity mm -hmm. of like, yeah, you could be following a story about aliens, but like, you know, maybe that story is grounded in something that like people experience so that you can like have that emotional connection to the story. Um, so, you know, I think it's so important for our art to reflect life. And yeah, sometimes it's an escapism thing, but also like the best stories have like these deeper messages that like really connect to you and connect to like your real life in some kind of way. Um, and I'm gonna bring up a comment really quick here from Colby Mack, what's up Colby? Who says that art should reflect life and society and representation is that authenticity. And I think <laughs> that's so like on point, you know, and I think, to me, watching stories where like I just see the same type of people and over and over, over and over and over again, I'm like, I that's not what life is like, you know. Like we all have friends mm -hmm. of different backgrounds and different cultures, and like you said, um, Kat, to like be able to learn about someone else's culture can be so eye opening, and you can see that like you know, one you know wh whether you're um, you know part of the LGBTQ community or if you're black or if you're Asian, yes, your experiences are different, but also if you're Hispanic your experiences are all different. And you know, like, just look at us here today. We all have come from different places. We all have different backgrounds. Yes, we have some similarities, but also I'm sure we all have, you know, a lot of differences also that like, if you were to watch a movie about something like, you get to take different things away from, from that movie or that project, which is um, really interesting to, to see, you know? And I think you guys make so many great points just about how we need to be, you know, accepting of all, types of backgrounds as I ramble. <laughs> Do you guys have any like final thoughts on Latinx representation and, you know, maybe what you can do to be good allies? I mean, I think that's a loaded question that's continuing to uh, like be ongoing um, in my own life as well. Like my husband is Colombian. And so he also brings to light like some differences, even in that sense of like growing up, you know, in, in South America and then like my experience is like American, Mexican, you know, it's like completely different. Um, and so he's taught me a lot in terms of like thinking um, also um, outside, <laughs> you know, and, and, and being open to learning about all different um, like uh, types of, of, of cultures. And, and, and just like, in terms of like, I mean that by um, like not thinking that your experience or feeling like you're not being represented, imagine like all the other people like that they feel that too. Um, and so I think sometimes we're always just thinking about ourselves. So I think um, sometimes um, it's good to kind of also just read up on a bunch of different other experiences from people. Um, I think, you know, um, and then, like I said, seeking out content that you normally wouldn't seek out um, because you might learn something, you know, that's like kind of the best, the best, uh, sometimes the best watches or something that I just pop, like, I'm like, okay, let me try it out. And then I'm like, oh my God, I've learned something new. Um, so that's how I'm trying to be, I guess, um, better in that sense is I, I don't know as much as we're talking about Latinx representation, like I'm one little, little part of um, one experience and I don't represent all of the Latinx community. Um, and that's what me and Rosa talk about all the time. We're like, we're not speaking for everybody. We're speaking from our experience. Um, and so you have to be open to hearing other people's experiences. Um, and yeah, I, I think, uh, also just support um uh yeah just support you know content creators and 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 just talk to people too like talking to you like i've learned so much already too you know and <laughs> so i think um 
I think not staying in, in your same bubble too. I remember going to college, I, I sought out the, you know, the Hispanic groups and Latino groups and it's like, oh, I never, I didn't, that's okay because you want to feel familiar, but also you also have to grow and learn from other experiences too that are not your own. Um, because I, I think that's the part, if you stay separated, we're never going to like come together. Oh man, last thoughts. Um, <laughs> what can I say? Uh, just support, I guess, support underrepresented voices, just like um, Catherine said, not not only ours, but other voices within the Latinx community and even outside of, of the community as well. And back to what you were saying about these movies just being um, a single narrative pretty much through a single lens, um, probably also advocate for representation behind the camera, behind that lens, because those are the people that are gonna be telling our stories. We're gonna be seeing ourselves or seeing stories through their lens, which I think it's very, very important. Um, and yeah, just, just support screenwriters and, and just directors, producers, and I try, it, it, it's it's not easy, but I do try to watch um, smaller films, films jet that are from Latinx content creators and just give them the, my, my thoughts on it and, and hopefully other people can view their films and so on and so forth. But again, I'm, I'm a big person of supporting others. So I guess that's where I'll leave it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Well, I know I, we always all appreciate your your positive support, Rosa. You're such a, a bright, shining light in the uh, entertainment community. Um, but yeah, you guys, yes, you guys made so many great points, and a hundred percent, a million percent agree with the not just supporting on screen, but behind the scenes and criticism, kind of in like all aspects. You know, the the more diverse voices you can have, the more you can have like a more authentic story being told in all forms. So. Awesome. So thank you guys so much for joining me. You'll be able to find all the information and links to Pop Culture Planet and our guests below. But if you want to follow Rosa and Kat, do you guys want to share where they can find you? Kat, do you want to go first? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Things Cat Loves and um, also on my website, um, Twitter and Instagram at Shuffle Online. Awesome. And Rosa? Yes, I'm on every social media platform at Rosa's Reviews. <laughs> Awesome. And if you guys are interested in following the podcast, you can follow me pretty much everywhere at KMaldo or the show at Pop Culture Planet Podcast on Instagram. And you can catch new episodes of the show every Thursday at 6.30 p.m. EST. If you watch the live video version of Pop Culture Planet on my channel, youtube.com slash KMaldo, you'll be able to join in on the conversation in real time and stick around for the Q&A at the end of the show that's not in the audio podcast. Episodes will also be available on all of your favorite podcast listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. And if you enjoy the episodes, consider subscribing so you know when a new one is posted. Write and review this podcast and share it with your fellow pop culture lovers. Thanks for listening. It's been a blast, and I'll talk to you next week. Ah!